electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be able to make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job's not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. NVIDIA. Own it. Don't trade it. That's been my mantra both for the show and the CNBC Investing Club. Other than Apple, it's the only stock I've ever said that about in decades. And today you saw why. Yes, today, NVIDIA soared 24% or $75. The largest single one-day move in the history of large capitalization stocks. It's a reminder that even in the choppiest of markets, which we have, some companies can transcend the madness even of Washington. And if they do well enough, they can color the whole tape. And that's how we ended up with a day where the Dow dipped 35 points, S&P gained 0.88%, but the tech-heavy Nasdaq surged 1.71%. Aided, yes, by NVIDIA and its multiple billion-dollar clients. There's so many companies that work with this company. Lots of people have asked me how I knew to anoint NVIDIA as own it, don't trade it, along with Apple. First, before anybody accuses me of hubris, sure, I identified two of the greatest stocks of all time before they became great for the Chapel Trust. But I've also picked some stocks that I'm uh, proud of. And the pain they inflict the house of pain. is with me day and night. I explain and own up to any loser, though. And you can see the whole thing, warts and all, by joining the investing club. It can be less, very embarrassing to admit a stock mistake. But I'm proud I am one of the few who shines the light on them, even as I wish, of course, I didn't make them in the first place. That said, sometimes winning in a stock I like as much as NVIDIA requires a gigantic amount of fortitude. It requires an almost insane degree of commitment. For example, I renamed my dog NVIDIA as a badge of fealty of the company. More important, it requires you to believe that not all businesses are created equally. Some are better than others. Now, I know that may sound painfully obvious, but it really isn't. 
Remember, there's a whole industry of people, the largest and most virulent, who tell you it's impossible for you to reliably pick winners, that you're not smart enough, that you should just park all your money in index fund because you don't know how to do it. People harp on, harp on, and harp on this notion of what's called now single stock risk didn't exist in the 80s, where if you even attempt to find the next NVIDIA, you're considered to be dead wrong. They say it's impossible, so just try to mirror the market by owning all 500 stocks to SP 500, both good and bad, except mediocrity. I don't dislike index funds. I'm in them myself. But you know what? This particular part of the philosophy of stocks is stupid. Some companies are indeed better than others. Their stocks tend to do better than others. And often, it's actually not that hard to tell the difference between the good ones and the bad ones, despite what so many people, some good, some not so good, some very self-serving, tell you. NVIDIA, in particular, was, I think, extremely gettable for two simple reasons. First, there's always been a deep moat around the company. In this this case, the moat's name is Jensen Wong. He's the predictably fabulous CEO. I compare him to Andy Reid of the Kansas City Chiefs. We trust a coach like Reid to regularly pull up miracles. Why can't we trust a visionary CEO with a great track record to do the same? I also call him Da Vinci because he's the most well-rounded individual I have ever met in my life. Well-rounded genius, I should say. For me, NVIDIA was gettable for the simple reason that other than in one moment where it simply couldn't hide its greatness from the cryptomaniacs who use NVIDIA's graphics cards to mine Ethereum, it always started out looking expensive but turned out to be dirt cheap. Always, we remember the process. The most reliable predictor of higher stock prices is whether the company can crush Wall Street's earnings estimates. The consensus going into this report was that NVIDIA would generate about $7 billion in revenue this quarter. Turns out they're on track to make $11 billion, $4 billion more than people thought. I've never seen anything like it. It means the analyst projections were way short of reality. And that's how you get this kind of 24% rally in the stock in such a huge company. How did NVIDIA pull this one off with such a spectacular beat? One that everyone in the business was shocked to see. Everyone. Well, once again, Jensen Wong disrupted the world of technology. He came up with a new way of digital thinking that enables accelerated computing and generative AI process using NVIDIA's proprietary H1 chips, among others, that is team-designed and they're truly special. These are graphics cards, not traditional CPUs, something Jensen did to get around this old Moore's Law. That's a rule that said chips will only double in power every two years and that it's pretty much active. Let's just say it's always supposed to happen until it stopped. See, Jensen told me years ago that Moore's Law was dead, dead, because he came up with a way to make graphics cards that were more powerful and even more efficient, even if they were bigger, because there was increasingly no benefit to shrinking semiconductors. The modern giant advantages were over. The reception over his highly efficient, energy-conserving, because this man cares more about waste than anyone I ever met, high-end cards was insanely strong. The big boys, think uh, Alphabet, Oracle, Microsoft, Amazon, Meta, all understood that if you use NVIDIA chips, you can speak in the vernacular of ChatGPT or any of the artificial intelligence languages that are being developed. I say speak in the vernacular because that's what generative AI literally does. If you have enough NVIDIA cards put together, you can enable all this incredible artificial intelligence stuff that everybody's so excited about doing now. Best of all, there is absolutely zero competition. None. I've never seen anything like it. It's a monopoly by genius. Or as Jensen's saying, we have more than a trillion dollars with the computing power right now in all those data centers. Those machines in there are equivalent of the iPhone 4. NVIDIA's just created the, the iPhone 
14. So none of the new apps that like ChatGPT can run on the old hardware, meaning everything has to be upgraded. It's a 10-year upgrade cycle. Hence why all the major players are desperately trying to buy NVIDIA's most powerful chips. Otherwise, they will be left behind. And I'm saying left in the dust. Now, normally a tech company might have something in beta that can be tested over a few years, maybe a year's time at Lucky. And then, well, perhaps it can move at scale. Probably it can't. The yield's not that great. But all throughout the period where semiconductor companies were moaning there was so little business last year, what was Jensen doing? He was ordering H100s by the thousands from any semiconductor plant he could find, including the massive Taiwan semiconductor fabs, the world's largest. He was procuring a huge number of H100s, betting that he'd be right. Stockpile, procuring, ready for demand. The result he has all the world needs, and he's got them in six weeks' time. Not six years, six weeks. Hence the big beat, because he can ship in gigantic volume right now. Now back to NVIDIA, my dog. My dog's original name was Everest. He was a mutt saved from a Tennessee kill center. He was my buddy, and he answered to me, especially when I had a steak in my hand. Using the same slide of food, I renamed him NVIDIA because every time I met Jensen, he had something new, something that allowed him to crush the estimates just like he did last night, and something that made me smile. Jensen gave Everest, not me, but Everest... card in case you wanted to drop by NVIDIA's office. Now, I did have an inkling a couple of times ago that this H100 would be used when I went out to NVIDIA's world headquarters, and Jensen wanted to show me something. He said I should ask this machine, not that I could tell it was a machine, to draw anything that, that I wanted in my brain. What was I wanting? I said, knowing that's Kramer fave Cezanne, painted still lifes, I, I asked the machine to paint me a, a Cezanne seascape. Challenge the darn thing. 30 seconds later, I have one. Kind of like Cezanne Cribbin from Monet, though. I came back and told everyone what happened. I told Faber right there, right over there. I said, you wouldn't believe it. You got to see it. You got to see it. And then, like, he made one that looked like me. He made one that had me in shakes at the Globe Theater to watch Henry IV Part II. I mean, it, it was commercial. It was impossible, except for Jensen. Then one day, we got some haiku written by this chat GP, and that was all she wrote. And by the way, Jensen was in on that back in 2017. Jensen knew. He knew. He knew. He had the cards ready for when all Wall Street, all, all of them. Right, Wall Street finally came around to generative artificial intelligence. He was so far behind. We're, they're so far behind him. We're now in a new age of computing, hence the biggest percentage game for a giant company in the whole history of the market. Awesome. Bottom line, NVIDIA is the rescue mutt in well, he's in dog heaven right now. And NVIDIA, the shareholders base, as my late mom would say, they're in heaven on earth. Frankie Michigan, Frank! Mr. Kramer, I'm so excited to speak with you. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. Um, first, I want to give you a quick tip. Go long on the Detroit Lions this year. They're going to be the NVIDIA. I hear, you know, NFL. actually, you're the second person told me that in the last day. So I'm, so I'm going to have to be a believer of that. What's going on? Okay, well, I initially bought shares in BJ Wholesale at 28 bucks, and have been adding shares on every large pullback, and it's been working out pretty good. Um, with them growing, you know, from the East Coast with two 137 stores and a larger footprint going west, they're profitable. they got a similar membership model as Costco. Should I be adding while they're down? No, I didn't even like the quarter. I've got to tell you something. That Costco quarter is being undersold. Right now, as we speak, people are selling it. You know why? Because they don't know what they're doing. They should go to a Costco. Get a black card. Get a black card and, and, and watch your life change before you. Hey, let's go to Valerie in Florida. Valerie. Hey, Jim. Hey, Val, what's I'd up? Like, hi. I'd like to hear your take on Nike. Okay, so Nike's right now caught in China. 
let's say, uh, purgatory. People think that it's being hurt in China. I will tell you this. John Donahoe spoke at the CEO inaugural council, and I've got to tell you, he sounded darn confident. I don't think this stock's going to stay down for long. It's having a problem. They're too smart. Hey, why don't we go to Bob in Connecticut? Bob! Jimmy! Booyah, baby! Booyah, Look, Bob! I have a I got a train wreck. I'm down 72% in Generac. I should have called you a year ago. What do I do now? Uh, you can't sell it down here. You can't sell it. Uh, but this whole cohort, you know, look, even Interface, which is a great company, has been struggling. A lot of these companies turn out to be a little more finance oriented. They tend to be really levered to rates. I don't want you to sell it now, though, because if rates start going down, that stock is going to start going up. Now, I have been telling you to own NVIDIA and not trade it. And boy, the club members ever know because I hammered and I head every single day. And if you ever need a reason to, to listen well, just look at today's historic news. Well, man, money tonight, NVIDIA may have garnered the headlines yesterday, but, but, but don't, don't forget all the other tech companies that reported last night, including Splunk. I'm talking to CEO at Curtis. Then Zoetis kind of falling out after uh, favor after Investor Day. But could it be a cash cow for your portfolio? I got the CEO. And as the home builders continue to reach new highs, I'm eyeing under the radar way to play the strength, and it's filled with technology. I'll reveal the name when I sit down with the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching 
learning engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney. Just go to Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Don't forget about all the other tech companies that reported last night while you're gawking at the huge gain in NVIDIA. Take Splunk, the cloud software play that helps its customers glean insights from the machine-generated data, both for regular analytics and cybersecurity. This has been doing pretty well ever since they brought in Gary Steele, CEO, last spring. And last time we got another gem of a quarter. Splunk posted better-than-expected sales and, more important, much better-than-expected earnings. Insanely strong cash flow. But after rallying at the open, the stock lost its mojo today, finishing down 1%. I mean, what's going on here? I got to tell you, I, you know I like this company. Let's check in with Gary Steele. the president and CEO of Splunk. Get a better read in the quarter and what's next. Mr. Steele, welcome back to Mad Mike. Thanks so much, Jim. All right, so let's get uh, first, Gary, a little scene set. We know Splunk for a long time, and most of the mm-hmm. interviews were always about, hey, you know, you've got some growth, but you're not making money. Or, wow, you're making a lot of money, but what happened to the growth? You have now made this company into a cash machine with growth. How are you able to do that in a, what is basically a very short period of time? Well, when I, when I joined, it was one of the first things I did. I just really set the course on ensuring that we were balancing growth and profitability. And the team just did an amazing job at driving efficiency across the business. And it's really showed up in our free cash flow. And we upped our guide for the year in terms of free cash flow. So we feel like we were pointed in the right direction, delivering great results, and feel really good about it. You know, there's a couple of things that were going on that it sometimes gets me a little bit upset as I analyze companies. You guys were talking about artificial intelligence and how to detect cybersecurity problems. Uh, let's say five, six years ago. Now, suddenly right. everybody's discovered it. Could you please explain what it's like to be an original as opposed to someone who just is using the words? Yeah, no, it's sort of interesting. So we've seen great benefits in AI broadly across the platform for some period of time. For example, and we released a machine learning toolkit in 2017 that saw great results. And I think um, the things exciting for me is in this whole area of large language models and chat GPT, we had um, a solution out, an assistance solution that helped generate the language of Splunk to drive data analytics. We released that last year. We've gotten, we've learned a lot from that. So we're excited about the advances in technology because at the end of the day, we think there's going to be great opportunities um, in the segments that we serve, both security all the way through IT and into observability. So super excited about it. I think that we've always felt that maybe they're two separate. You have one that's going for uh, kind of analytics, the other going for cybersecurity. Tell me about this mission control product, because it seems to bring together all your strong points. Yeah, I think one of the one of the things I've been focused on since I joined a year ago is simply how do we ensure that our security leaders and security practitioners are getting great outcomes for Splunk. Mission control brings all that together. So it's basically single pane of glass that that um, allows someone using the solution to to have access to all the capabilities, whether it be security analytics, our orchestration and automation, our threat intel, all those capabilities integrated into a single pane of glass, making their lives easier. 
Now, is that one of the reasons why you've been getting some contracts that I've never seen Splunk yet? I'm talking about some large eight-figure contracts, including one w- w- with a government agency. Th- these, these, I thought eight-figure deals had eluded your company for way too long. Well, you know, it's interesting, um, you know, as as we've indicated in the past, you know, the, the macroeconomic, macroeconomic environment has impacted some of our cloud migrations. But this deal that you're referring to was our largest public sector cloud deal ever. It was an eight figure deal. The team did an amazing job helping that customer think about the cloud. But this is a customer that's hybrid. They have an on-premise Splunk instance. They're leveraging the cloud now. And we think that uh, one of our big advantages is, frankly, helping customers get to the cloud on their time frame, but also leveraging hybrid. Well, I think that I did want to talk to you about another product that I didn't. I never knew about something called uh, billions of traces. You're doing you're looking at traces with trace analyzer for APM. This is something I've never talked about with Splunk. So maybe you can explain it to people. You bet. Um, Very simply. As um, organizations are deploying more and more applications in the cloud, these are modern microservice-based applications that have um, a very complicated deployment environment. And as a result of that, you need to be able to understand what's going on across all those components. Traces allows you to do that. And so we're seeing more and more customers as they move to modern modern cloud architectures, they need tools that they give them visibility as to what's happening in all those application components. And we're really focused on helping our customers modernize and leverage these modern cloud architectures to be more productive. Right now, Gary, I'm starting to see some companies run out of money with good technology. I'm seeing some other companies putting themselves up for sale that are in your space. Uh, I know you know how to do deals. Is it time now that you've made the balance sheet great, now that you've got consistent ARR, to start playing some offense and buying some of these companies, or are you pretty happy with your team right now? We're really happy with the organic path that we're on. Uh, We have had good success doing um, smaller tech-in acquisitions. We did one in the fall. Um, known as TwinWave, that's delivering great results for our security users. We will continue to look for tuck-ins. I don't, I don't anticipate that we'll go out and do large transformational deals, but we're thoughtful about where there's great opportunity, amazing talent, value that could be delivered to customers. We'll look for that um, as well. Uh, but we love the path we're on. All right, one last one that I think is important. I've never seen you dominate, get a dominant contract in financial services. I know you've had some. It always turns out that you're sharing it with others. But if you're doing an eight-figure with a uh, leading financial information service company, that is your company. How'd you get it? You know, it was it was an interesting um, set of circumstances. We'd had an established relationship with the customer. They needed more capacity. They were leveraging Splunk more broadly across their enterprise, and they wanted to, to do con- tool consolidation. Frankly, in this economic environment, customers are trying to figure out how can they tighten their belt. And we actually helped them tighten their belt by reducing the number of solutions that they had deployed, and they standardized on Splunk. Well, Super okay. proud of that. I think that, that this new Splunk, the one that's got profitable growth, is the one that I've been looking for. And I knew that's something that you would do because you did it the last place you're at. I want to thank Gary Steele, President and CEO of Splunk. And it's great to see you as always, Gary. Thank you. Yeah, great seeing you, Jim. Thank okay. you. Okay. Man Money's back after the break. Coming up, make your portfolio purr. The humanization of pets barks back with this cuddly Kramer fave. Next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. 
While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Once we get past the debt ceiling crisis, the market's going to be the closest it's been to normal since 2019. And when the world goes back to normal, let's circle back to one of our absolute favorite secular growth themes, which is the humanization of pets. For years, I've been saying that Americans increasingly treat their pets as full-on members of the family. And that's still going strong. As you know from the top of the show, that's where we are. Which brings me to Zoetis, which makes vaccines and medicines for both livestock and companion animals. They benefit from the pet theme and also from a collective love of meat. That's why they call it the duality of man. While this stock's gotten slammed last year, it was down nearly 40%, which made no sense to me at all, making a comeback in 2023, or at least it was until the debt ceiling talk started taking up all the oxygen. doesn't seem to matter that Zoetis reported a pretty good quarter earlier this month. Fortunately, Zoetis held an Investor Day event here at the New York Stock Exchange, and it was an effort to get the corporate mojo back, and I think it's going to work. Now I want you to get the same pitch that the professional got, maybe better. So let's dig in with Kristen Peck, old friend of the show, CEO of Zoetis. Ms. Peck, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you so much. It's great to be back, Jim. We were just celebrating on the floor of the exchange Memorial Day and what it means so much to our country for our fighting women and men and to remember them and also to honor them. It turns out that pets pay, play a key role in military families. Yes, no, we've always been proud to be um, supporting the military and really paying for the care of retired uh, military dogs. But military pets are really important to the families um, as they're deployed across the globe. Those pets are really important ways to keep that family connected, to provide stability for the spouse or for the family. And it's really important to the mental health more broadly, as we talk about it all the time with millennials and Gen Z. But for our military, those pets are a really important, stable part of those families. We also know that for, for the elderly, they discovered, particularly during COVID, that pets are about the best companions you could possibly have. And even longevity is connected to owning pets. Yeah, we've done a lot of research on the human-animal bond as one of the fundamental drivers of our pet care business. And the fact is 95% of pet owners see their pet as an important part of their family. 90% of pet owners would spend, quote, whatever it takes to take care of the suffering of their pet if it got sick. And I think it's because that human-animal bond, that important role that pets play in our mental health, but our physical health as well. It's interesting to see that a lot of the pet plays post-pandemic have actually fallen down. But yours, because it's a science-based company for pets, I think has just continued to accelerate. Can you kind of explain the difference between Zoetis and companies that just cater to pets at food or pets uh, even as, say, uh, veterinaries through major chains? 
Sure. I think what's differentiated Zoeta specifically over our 10 years is that we're invested in innovation and we really bring disruptive innovation to the veterinary space, which supports both pets and pet owners. We brought innovative solutions, which you talk about all the time, time. like Apoquel and Cytopoint for atopic dermatitis, certainly parasitology. But one thing we announced today, which we're super excited about, is the difference we're making in osteoarthritis pain with Labrella for dogs and Silencia for cats. In fact, today, as you probably heard, we announced those two products alone, we believe will deliver one, one billion plus in sales for Zoetis at their peak sales over the next three to five years. Okay, so I'd like to, I'd like to think that we have never been negligent pet owners, but we had a pet that had this and we did not know because pets don't talk and we weren't observant enough. How do we know when we need these for our pets? Well, with dogs, it's a little easier. You sort of notice because you're constantly walking that dog. You notice sometimes the mobility. Sometimes they'll gain weight because they're not getting up and exercising enough. But to your point, it's not always obvious. And for cats, it's really challenging. And one of the exciting things we're doing is leveraging AI artificial intelligence to help diagnose cats. So we have um, Cat Pain IQ, where you can basically take a video of your cat jumping or walking or going down the stairs, and you can upload it. And we can analyze that video and tell you whether or not your cat is at a high risk of osteoarthritis or sort of where that is in the disease, you can take that video, share it with your vet, and make an appointment. Well, I have to tell you that's incredible, having had many, many cats and never having, unless witnessing they were great jumper cats and they couldn't, we had no idea. Now, I want people to understand the revolutionary world that you created. We had a cat a dog wearing an Elizabethan (laughs) collar for a long time. Maybe you can explain what that's really like and then what you did, what you did to free dogs of that. Yeah, I mean, what we came out is uh, a product called Apoquel and it really transformed dogs' lives. And then we added innovation on top of that, a monoclonal antibody called Cytopoint, which is a monthly injectable. We built on top of that with Apoquel Chewable in Europe. So that franchise for Zoetis today is worth $1.3 billion and growing this year double digits. And people have to understand, when Ramon Alex first came on and said it, he actually addressed because I told him that our dog's wearing this kind of like a lampshade. He said, <laughs> wait till you see what happens. The other, candidly, the other spinoffs that have been for animal health have just been also rants. You guys have been incredible. And as incredible as you once explained to me, for livestock. And there, there was it a chart in your amazing, I thought that this stuff was so good, um, livestock poised for continued growth, only 2 to 4% uh, growth. Now, how is it possible in a time of incredible inflation that we don't have the uh, herds being grown like mad? Is it, a, is it a healthcare issue? Can they not do it? Is it, uh, it uh, issues of, say, um, Ill- illnesses that you haven't gotten to yet or you're trying to solve? No, first of all, we think there's fundamental drivers of livestock. To your point, it's grown historically around 3%, 2 to 4%, and we're projecting it to do, you know, that going forward. Animal health, to your point, is a very resilient and dynamic industry. And even in recessions in 2009, still grew 3%, and on average goes 5 to 4. Livestock has grown a little slower than pet care. So if livestock's 2 to 4, you know, pet care's more like 6 to 8. And really okay. the reason that livestock doesn't grow as much is you don't have treatments for same chronic diseases of long life. So as you think about dermatology and OA pain and these areas where we're driving billion dollar franchises, 
you don't have that in livestock because the animals don't live as long. So we think there's still really exciting innovation. And importantly, the demographic trends of two billion more people by 2050, those people are going to be eating more protein and need more sustainable um, sources of animal protein. So Zoetis is investing there, and we believe we can continue to grow Okay, so Kristen, I think a lot of people are are, are always mystified when they hear that there were two million chickens that died over the weekend, or or that, that swine, I mean, overnight. Could you tell me what happens at these places that you could make it so that every every single one of these animals catches it in a weekend? Well, what really happens is once, and, and you look at these, like, high-path avian influenza, which you and I have talked about a lot. Yes. We talked about earlier this Good year. Not, not talk about You've explained to me because you're <laughs> the expert in this stuff. Um, the challenge is once it enters a herd or a flock, you really have to, the whole flock is, is at a risk of infection. So that's why it's relatively tragic. It doesn't sometimes mean that everyone already got it. But once it's in a flock, there's really no choice. And so what we're really focused on at Zoetis is prevention and biosecurity and helping producers across the globe be able to do that. And we've been investing in that, as you know, for years in providing more preventative treatments. With regards to high path avian influenza, as you know right now, there is no approved vaccine no. in the U.S. Uh, we're certainly working with the USDA, as you know, okay. to get one, as others are. And will you be working with, say, Walmart, which just announced a new initiative that I think is terrific because you basically have tele- what you said with cats, telehealth for animals. And Walmart covers 200 million people. Good thing for the pet industry? Yeah, so I think telehealth certainly has an important role. Um, but in the U.S. and most of the U.S., you first have to establish a, what's called a veterinary client relationship. And we're really invested in that okay. because, as you said, the pets can't speak. No, and so no. there's only so much you can see on a video. But there's a lot that can be done in telehealth. It can also help provide leverage to vets who are really busy today with all those new pets that were adopted, as you know, uh, throughout the pandemic. And more and more. It didn't stop. Most of those most of those trends reversed, but not the trend that you are very much a part of. I want to thank Kristen Breck, the CEO of Zoetis. I also want to tell you guys, as pet owners and people who have saved animals and stopped animals from being killed, Zoetis is probably one of the most important companies in the world for doing the right thing for pets. Thank you very much for coming. Thanks so much. Always great to see you. Yeah, money's back everybody. Coming up, fortune favors the bold. But should you favor fortune? Grammar's got a key home and security player next. the home builders are doing much better than they're supposed to be doing at this point in the business cycle, largely because we've still got a massive housing shortage. But there's a lot that goes into a house, which means there are many ways to play this theme. Take Fortune Brands Innovation, which makes water fixtures, outdoor products, security solutions. You've definitely seen their faucets, but probably don't know their innovative water solution programs for preserving water and protecting your house from the hazards of water damage. When the Fed started raising rates aggressively last year, Fortune Brands sold off hard because this kind of company is supposed to do badly in this situation. However, last fall, we realized the housing market is much more resilient than anybody thought. And the stocks come roaring back, even as it's pulled back recently, just on some debt ceiling fears. Now, yesterday, the CNBC CEO Council, which you know we love, the summit in Santa Barbara, we got a chance to speak with Nick Fink. He's the CEO of what I call a brand new Fortune Brands Innovations. Take a look. Nick, I didn't think I'd say this even, say, five years ago, but your company is now the technology leader when it comes to parts of your home that you care about. And probably the one people care about more than ever is water. I'm going to give you the floor to talk about what you're doing, because I don't think people realize 
anything about what you're doing. And it's the most exciting thing in housing. Well, thank you. I, we're super excited about it. I mean, we're in the business. Moen's the leading brand. We have the House of Luxury portfolio. But, you know, when you think about whole home water management, plumbing, it really hasn't changed in thousands of no. years, right? And now we're at the cusp of it's going to get digitized. And we have an AI system that can algorithmically learn how water flows through your house and prevent small leaks, prevent catastrophic damage, which is bigger than fire and burglary combined, and offset you know, a huge amount of water loss in communities. That's the beginning. We're not putting an ecosystem around that. We just announced irrigation at the beginning of this year. So We're going to use smart irrigation in a way it's never been done before by actually being able to direct water only where it's needed in the garden. And if it's raining, your, it doesn't go off doesn't like go mine off does. I mean, it's, I always feel yeah. like, what a terrible thing. It's yeah. raining and, my, and I'm watering. Yeah. We're going to even do a step better than that, which is it will measure the soil moisture and decide exactly how much water each bed needs. That's the number one use of water in the residence. So you save all of that. And so, you know, it's just the cusp of being able to manage a home completely differently with the digital mindset. It's, it's really exciting. Well, I wanted to start with that because I think that people, uh, are, they can talk interest rates all they want. What matters is what you're offering are premium products in a segment where everyone wants to make their house better. It's hard to even move because you've got a mortgage lock-in problem. It's very clear that people's homes are still the greatest investments. And if you want to upgrade your home, Everything that you offer, including your new acquisition for premium door hardware, represents where to go, what to do. Yeah. Well, as you know, home equities are at an all-time high. People right. are still sitting on ton equity. Home's been a really stable asset for people. They're excited about them. And they're going to continue to invest. You know, there's just not enough housing. So whether you build new or you renovate, long-term, this is a great spot to be, and you're seeing it in the consumer resilience, right. right? You give consumers even a little break on rates, they come right back in. But as you know, we rebranded the company, right. Fortune Brands Innovations, because we will focus on the most innovative parts of the home and areas that have secular tailwinds. So things like connected, water management, right. material science. And we think there's a ton of opportunity and consumers love the innovation. So if we keep bringing it with the brands, it's going to be very powerful. All right, so do I go to Toll Brothers where they call it, you can spec your own house and say, look, I want the portfolio that comes from Fortune, or do I go to Home Depot, or, or do I have to do a, use a very special uh, designer who might cost me a lot of money? It, you know, we try to be agnostic. Consumer shops all around the channels, right. right? And we do a lot of consumer work. I mean, they're an omni-channel. They might look online. They might go pick up in right. store, vice versa. So we generate the consumer pool, and then we work with our channel partners to fulfill it, whether it be the builders or our big box customers or some of our pure play uh, e-commerce customers. Now, uh, I know when you do some of these more complicated things, there are supply chain issues and there are also installer issues. Are you, when I place an order with you, is it six months or can I actually get it when I want it? You can get it. You can. The last right. couple of years was rough from a right. supply chain perspective, and we leaned in hard. I mean, we put in a lot of inventory to support the channel. Um, our channel partners have told us we were best in the industry. I think that helped with share gains. Um, but with a couple exceptions here or there, it's mostly right. sorted out. You can get what you need, and we're kind of going to roll forward. Uh, for the people who are more uh, trading-oriented, which I don't encourage, but you should know that the inventories coming in are pretty low. You're at a good, real good comparison for the next two to three quarters, just for those who want to do that kind of thing. Right? Yeah. We're still taking our inventory levels down. Right. We actually took out a lot in Q1. We'll take out more this year. Channel inventories, I mean, there may be a couple pockets here or there, but a lot of that came out last year. There was yes. inventory in places we didn't even know had inventory. 
we saw that come out, and we think a couple places may even be a little bit lean. We'll okay, see. Talk to me about the acquisition that just closed, because to me, it's a force multiplier. You, you seem to be the only one at the high end. So, super excited. Uh, it, it's just settled, so we've announced we should close uh, towards the end of uh, next month, okay. we think. Uh, two parts to that, right? So there's the Amtech, which is the leader in premium door hardware, bar none, double-digit growth keg over the last few years, spectacular margin business. It fits right into our house of roll luxury portfolio. Okay. So it's going to take that business, and we're still seeing where else it will play in the portfolio, but most likely there, a lot of shared distribution, and it's going to take that business to be a global platform north of half a billion dollars and one of our fastest-growing businesses. Including so China. Including China. Uh, and Europe, uh, and, you know, looking a little bit at the Middle East. So big force multiplier for that business. And then the other part is the Yale and August connected business, Yale globally, August for uh, U.S. and Canada, and that is essentially about connected product. And, you know, you touched on our water. Mm -hmm. We've got connected security. We're looking at stuff in the door space. And so to be able to augment it with an additional 100 engineers coming across doing firmware, software, some mechanical engineering, it just gives us scale that you need to win in the connected space. And so super excited about the accelerant. Well, when I look at the panoply of investments someone wants to do with a home, you can buy a home builder, okay? You can go Home Depot. But those all have their own issues involving, uh, let's say, security and theft at Home Depot or mortgage rates for toll. I just like you are the premium player in a world that is going premium. And right. that I don't even know if you have any competition as a, for in the listed stock environment because you're much more like LVMH for homes. Well, certainly on the luxury end, that's where we're pushing, and we're creating stuff that hasn't existed yet. I mean, there's innovation in premiumization, right? Yeah. In how all of these things work together, in bringing these bespoke little brands and creating an umbrella like a fashion house. Uh, it yeah. really is. Yeah. And the videos, by the way, the website's all real clear. You can learn about all these great things. That's Nick Fink. He's the CEO of what I call a brand new, never seen before Fortune Brands. Thank you, Nick. All right. Thanks, Tim. Great being on. Coming up, what's in your mind, America? Give us a call. The lightning round is storming the NYSE. Next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski, daddy, time for the lightning round. I'm going to start with, with David in Florida. David. Hey, Jim. How are you today? This is David I'm, from Lakewood Ranch, Florida. Love it. What's going on? Jim, I'm a long-term listener. I'm currently long on Zscaler. Uh, the revenues have been up 50% year over year, but still operating on, on the loss. I'm sitting on a pretty sizable loss on the stock. No, you're sitting on a gold mine. That Z-scale quarter was really, really good, although I do prefer Palo Alto Networks. Kyle in Illinois. Kyle. Jim, hit me with a rating for ticker IOVA. Okay, this is whenever I see these novel cancer therapies that bust tumors, I always say it is okay to own purely for spec because you might always get a takeover. But remember, that company's losing money hand over fast. Manny in Connecticut. Manny. Booyah. Booyah, Manny. Lucid Motors, Jim. No, uh, no, you got to be, if you're going to come on this show, you better be starting to make money pronto, Rooney McFatty. Let's go to Mark in Wisconsin. Mark. 
Dr. Kramer. Yes. First off, thank you for the plug on Magellan. That worked out very well. Thank you. Excellent. Yep, that got a nice takeover bid. Thank you very much. Uh, I currently own this stock, and I'd like your opinion if I should add to it. The ticker symbol is NVGS Navigator Holdings. Um, I do like it. I do like it, but you know, I'm partial to anything that's, you know, the kind of L. Anything that's liquefied gas, I am a buyer of. I know I'm probably too uh, liberal in that, but I think it's the way of the future. And that's one of the reasons I got to tell you that if you really want to know what to do in a conservative fashion, Sempra Energy. Let's go to John in Kentucky. John. Hey, Jim. My uh, question is about Schrodinger Incorporated, SDGR. They're a drug development company that uses Journey AI for the discovery of new candidates for drug development. By the and they're about pharma. to turn profitable, which is what I like, because I'm tired of all these companies losing money. I'm okay with that one. How about Danny in Florida? Danny! Hello, Jim. First-time caller, long-time listener. Thanks for well, all like that you that. do. Never retire. I, I have no plans to. Thank you, though. Thank you very much. What's up? Um... I know that commercial offices are not the flavor of the month, but if you believe in the comeback of New York, what about Hornado? Uh, you know what? The management there is so strong, but the tug of war against New York is so bad, I'm not going to recommend Hornado. I'm sorry. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. The debt ceiling game of chicken could be from a 50s movie. But history's real lesson on this one was taught in 2011. Learn it next. Everyone keeps acting like this whole debt ceiling debacle is happening for the first time. Like it's new. I can't believe it. How short is our collective memory? We're currently on almost the exact same path we walked down during the disastrous 2011 debt ceiling fight. That means everything could be on the table from government defaults to rating agency grounds, uh, downgrades. And the longer this situation last, I got to tell you, the uglier it will absolutely be. Now, I am not a political guy, and this is a highly politicized issue. But in the end, I think the Republicans have a huge edge in the negotiation, simply because Joe Biden's running for president next year and Speaker McCarthy isn't. I don't know who ultimately gets blamed if they can't make a deal and your Social Security checks come in late. But I certainly wouldn't want to be the president who presided over that scenario going to an election year. Maybe that's not fair, as some of the more extreme Republicans want to deliberately tank the negotiations. Fairness got nothing to do with them. Either way, unless they can cut a quick deal, the ratings agencies will consider downgrading our government debt precisely because of what now looks like systemic political dysfunctionality, which the polls might not realize is a completely legitimate reason to cause investors to worry about our precious full faith and credit. So what happens last time when we were in this situation? Well, take a look, because I've got a pretty visual description of it. On July 22nd of 2011, when we began to realize that things actually might not come together, that we might default within a couple of weeks, the S&P 500 stood at 13.45. Every day, the process got more toxic. And though there were moments where it seemed like we were making progress, those moments never seemed to last for an entire session. By July 25th, we were down to 1337, the SP by the 20, 27th. We, we had fallen to 1304, 29th. It was 1292. Look at this, man. Look at this process. Then, 
and this is crazy. When we crossed into August and actually got a deal, the S&P continued to go down. It went to 1286 on August 1st. That's right. After the deal, on August 2nd, when President Obama signed the bill into law, we fell more than 2.5%, 1254. We, we didn't seem to realize we were on the parallel track with the ratings agency. Standard & Poor's understood that this kind of vituperative politicizing of simple payments was no way to run an airline, let alone a country, and took our government's credit rating down a notch. By the time we got the official downgrade after the market closed on August 5th, well, we'd already fallen to 1,199. In the wake of the downgrade, we dipped to 1,120 on August 10th, where we finally bottomed. Yet the S&P 500 went from 1,345 to 1,120 in a matter of weeks because of the one-two punch of dysfunctional partisanship and ratings cuts usually saved for ailing countries. That's a disastrous scenario, plain and simple. Much of this was purely based on sentiment, not reality, as the market went down as much as we would have expected in an actual default. We ended up with a deal and avoided the worst-case scenario, yet that one downgrade from S&P was enough to crush us, and we're going to get multiple downgrades if we default this time. Of course, uh, it looks all pressure now, doesn't it? In 2011, we should have stopped going down sooner, but I think we couldn't stop until the market got truly oversold, meaning the pendulum had swung too far, which is what happened when the wall I just showed you. Only after you fleshed out all the sellers could we get a snapback? I followed proprietary oscillator. It was throwing off minus 10 readings for days before the bottom. Minus 10 is insanely oversold. You must buy when it's there. Now the oscillator is only at minus 2.4. Nothing to hang your hat on, considering that I think the risk of default is substantially higher this time around. That's why I keep recommending you maintain a high cash position, even if the Democrats and Republicans cut a deal. Because last time it was the gut punch of the S&P downgrade a few days later that really got to us. So knowing what we know now about 2011, it's premature to get bullish in this market other than the occasional forward tech company like NVIDIA. Best to keep the cash on the sidelines and waiting. Have to see the oscillator get more negative before we can even consider opening our wallets all the way. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Disclaimer. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.